Welcome to Marvel Studios News. My name is Sean Gerber. I will be joined momentarily by my co-host, Paul Herman, for episode 71 of our show. We continue along our road to Avengers Infinity War. This episode will focus on the second leg of phase three, Doctor Strange, which of course came out in November of 2016. But before we get into our discussion of the film, I have more than a few people to thank. So... Thank you very, very much to Joshua Waldorf, Rich Ward, Timothy DeCamp, John Armstrong, Keith Heavy or Heavy, Brian Morin, Ryan Kitchen, Ronald Acosta, Patrick Farley, William Ford Conway, Uche Iki or Eki, I'm sorry if I didn't pronounce that correctly, Corey Choate, Will McDonough, Joshua Miller, Benjamin White, and Dan Sanders. So as I said, Lots of people to thank, and they are our latest patrons, our latest supporters on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. Now, there's a good chance you've already heard me talk about our Patreon page before, but just in case, this is where you can get exclusive content, additional audio content from this podcast that is not available anywhere else and you can do that starting for only one dollar a month which gets you our patreon credit scenes where each and every week when we do these episodes especially on this road to infinity war we take the film we just talked about so in this episode it's doctor strange and we talk about all the different connective threads between that film and avengers infinity war slash avengers 4 and there's obviously a lot to go over between doctor strange because it in between doctor strange and those next two avengers films because it includes an Infinity Stone, but it's it's about more than that, and we get into it in this week's Patreon credit scene. We also discuss some of the latest news, and in this case, for the Patreon credit scene, it will pertain to some news regarding the Doctor Strange sequel. So all of that will be available there, as well as all the previous Patreon credit scenes along the road to Infinity War. And then we also have tons of other content, depending on the tier that you choose. You get those Patreon credit scenes, plus a weekly Q&A show. That's just $3 a month. But then there's other tiers to get you an exclusive episode, Q&A episodes that are specific to certain films with both Paul and myself. There's all kinds of good stuff over there on the Patreon page, which again, you can check out over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And then make sure you can... Uh, and you can also support the show in other ways, first and foremost, by continuing to listen, which we really appreciate. But you can also check us out on our website, marvelstudiosnews.com. That's where I'm posting articles every single day about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash News. Make sure you like, comment, and share the articles that you see there and the podcast that you see there. And also check us out on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. So with all that out of the way, let's get on with our show. Here we go, Paul, back in Phase 3 on our road to Avengers Infinity War. We're on our second stop of Phase 3. That brings us to Doctor Strange, which I think is the last time you're going to be unhappy during one of these podcasts. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, because uh, remember, we have another movie after this. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. We never really hashed it, it out over know, Guardians yeah, of the Galaxy Volume have, 2. Yeah, we have not. We so have we're, not. We're going to get into that. Or maybe, or have I changed my mind since then? Whoa. I don't know. We're going to have to. Oh, uh, either. We will have to figure <laughs> yeah. it out. Hopefully, you haven't changed your mind about Spider Man Homecoming because that would just be depressing. We'll, we'll, we'll find out about that, too. <laughs> what? Because, by the way, you don't even know what I voted for between Ragnarok and Homecoming. No, I don't know. I don't know. And what Paul's referring to is I've been running a Marvel Movie Madness tournament on our Twitter. That's why you should follow our Twitter at Marvel Newscast. Just uh, I did the seeding for this tournament based on just the I just was super lazy about it, but also semi objective because I wasn't using my personal rankings. I seeded them based on their Rotten Tomatoes scores. And so I think right now we're at the elite eight of the tournament. <laughs> and uh, because of the Rotten Tomatoes scores, like people were surprised. Why is Captain America Winter Soldier the eighth seed against the top seed Black Panther? And it's just based on the Rotten Tomatoes scores. But anyway. Yeah, like most of those, the only one that's really close in that Elite Eight right now, which might be over by the time people are listening to this show, so check back for the Final Four, uh, but the only one that's really close right now is Ragnarok and Homecoming. Yeah, it's, uh, I'll, I will reveal at, at one point what I voted for, and it was a tough one. 
It was a tough one. It was really, but by the way, I want to say it was a really great idea because you didn't even tell me you were doing that. And I just happened to see it on Twitter and I'm like, this is genius. And I, I was like, I was straight up stumped on a yeah. couple of them, you know, like Black Panther versus Winter Soldier. That was, that wasn't easy. No, you know? it's, it's a tough play. And I actually w- would have liked that to be maybe the finals, but unfortunately, just because of the way the seedings were, that's how it worked out. But I was wanting to do something bigger with it, but I think I'll wait and do that maybe next year. And and I might actually wait till after Avengers four to do another bigger tournament Mm. after this current era ends. And so it'll be bigger next year. It won't just be a couple of quick Twitter polls because I was going to do something bigger for it this year, but then I thought, well, just going to have to do it all over again next year. So I'll save the bigger version of it (laughs) for next year. And then we'll do uh, just have, just kind of have fun on this road to Infinity War to just kind of see how some of these Marvel movies rank. Although this won't end up with a final ranked list. This will just end up with a top pick based on the votes from the at Marvel newscast followers and anybody else who happens to see those polls on Twitter and votes in them. So if you haven't check them out go vote or just keep in or continue to follow at Marvel newscast. So you at least catch it with the final four. If the elite eight voting is over, and just make sure you have those notifications turned on. So as soon as I tweet, you see it, then you don't have any of these problems and you won't miss your chance to be part of our democratic process. So <laughs> looking at the buildup to Dr. Strange, this one feels kind of like Ant-Man in that it was talked about for pretty much as long as the MCU was a thing. It wasn't as formal as Ant-Man because Ant-Man was talked about all the way back in 2006 and had a director attached with Edgar Wright, but it wasn't long before you started hearing even Kevin Feige talk about Doctor Strange as something that Marvel would eventually do. They never really had a filmmaker attached, uh, at least not for a very long time, and then they didn't have um, you know no filmmaker attached, no no star. It was just this thing of one day there will be a Doctor Strange movie, one day, one day, one day. And that was just kind of it. It didn't really solidify until we started hearing that Scott Derrickson was going to be attached to direct the film. And I think that was around like May or June of 2014. I might be remembering that wrong, but it was definitely before the Phase 3 announcement event, which was in October of 2014. So yeah, I remember... I remember that being a pretty big, uh, pretty big thing just to finally have a director attached. And I had, I wasn't super familiar with Scott Derrickson, but I had seen Sinister and I really loved that movie, but as a really great horror film that didn't necessarily tell me what he was going to do with Dr. Strange. Cause there can be some horror vibes in Dr. Strange, depending on what folk, what stories you look at and what characters you're using, but we had no idea who was going to be what characters would be in the film at that point. So I remember liking Scott Derrickson as somebody who had made a film that I really liked, but I didn't know, I didn't know too much else based on that. Yeah. uh, Dr. Strange was one of those characters as a kid that I didn't really, I didn't love. And his comics were just, I don't know. They just weren't not my favorite to, to read. But Doctor Strange became a character that I, I loved a lot more when I came back into comics circa around 2004 um, with the New Avengers and things like that. Um, he, you know, after the Civil War, he became a prominent member of the New Avengers Renegade team, and and I loved him in that and being a part of the Illuminati and things like that. So Doctor Strange was always someone that I I really liked after when I came back and I was always kind of, it was intriguing to hear they're going to make a movie about him. I, it's funny. I don't remember them talking about the movie as much as, um, as Ant-Man. I remember Ant-Man vividly. Dr. Strange wasn't one. I remember hearing in the early days as much, if I don't remember off the top of my head, but Dr. Strange is just one of the, was one of those weird characters that it was, he was someone that it's, it, you could do a lot with, and, you know, there's a lot of things that you – to me, it also seems like there's a lot of lazy writing you could do with him too, you know. Um, I'm not sure if that makes sense. But he, there's just like – it's really, really just – he's kind of all over the place. And he's just one of those characters that I just I, – I was just kind of – you know, I got excited about the movie, you know, leading up to it. But it wasn't something that I was necessarily – I just didn't know what it was going to give me. 
either because like the character like in the comics didn't I didn't know what he was going to give me. So he's always been this kind of weird character to me in the Marvel universe. Yeah, I was a fan of Doctor Strange, but kind of the same thing as you. Like I always enjoyed the character when he would show up in other people's books. I wasn't necessarily out hunting for Doctor Strange comics, the ones the ones that actually had his name on them. I mean, every once in a while I might end up with one because somebody else was on the cover that I really liked. So there was always that. But I remember really liking Doctor Strange, but I was even more excited about the idea of a Doctor Strange movie just because it had the potential to go somewhere that the Marvel Cinematic Universe had not previously gone. And that was what I wanted really for the MCU was to continue pushing its limits and and going in different directions. And, And around this time that Doctor Strange was in development... And I can't remember, actually, if if the order's slipping my mind right now. I can't remember if Derrickson... We found out about Derrickson before there were even some casting rumors. But I remember in, like, mid-2014, around, like, April or May is when we started hearing, like, the Benedict Cumberbatch rumors and stuff like that. And and so when Scott Derrickson was attached and, and it started becoming this thing of there really was going to be a Doctor Strange movie, and this was right around the time Guardians of the Galaxy was about to come out, I just thought it was a really important step for the MCU. Now that we're expanding the cosmic side of the MCU, it's really great that they will also be pushing into the magic and mystical realms of the MCU through Doctor Strange, because I just wanted them to continue blowing up this balloon as big as they possibly could so that that way they gave themselves the biggest possible canvas on which they could tell or paint these pictures and tell these different stories. Because I think that's the only way that the MCU can continue to survive and and thrive is is by being different and always having something that audiences haven't seen before. And I think that's why they're on such a, a role now. I mean, they've been on a role for 10 years, but they're on mm-hmm. an even bigger role right now. Their momentum, I think, has never been stronger than it is right now. And that's because their films have never been as different as they are now. And that's not to say, because you guys have known me, most of you have known <laughs> who are listening have known me long enough to know that I've always argued against the idea that all Marvel movies are the same, but there's an even greater difference. There's even greater variety in the films that they're putting out now and in the stories that they're telling. And so I, I think guardians and Dr. Strange were kind of the important pieces in the, this developing that spirit for the MCU. And so I was really excited about that. And then when it came to the casting, when Benedict Cumberbatch was rumored, I thought that made sense. I mean, he had been an obvious and popular fan casting choice for a long time. I was totally fine with that. And then it it seemed like it kind of went away. And I remember at Comic-Con that year in 2014, I was sitting in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. panel in Ballroom 20 at San Diego Comic-Con on that Friday. And that was when the news broke that Marvel was in talks with Joaquin Phoenix to play Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. And everybody at Comic-Con was talking, and everybody swear they knew (laughs) that Joaquin Phoenix actually had been, uh, that Joaquin Phoenix was going to be there, he was going to be on stage in Hall H the very next day, and he would be introduced as Doctor Strange, because all the Avengers were going to be there for Avengers Age of Ultron, so people thought that they were going to make a big deal out of Joaquin Phoenix showing up, and he'd be able to pose with Downey and Evans and everybody else course that didn't happen the marvel studios panel came and went in 2014 it ended up just being uh they announced guardians of the galaxy volume two i mean this was still before the first film a couple weeks before the first film had come out so they announced guardians two they did a little bit of stuff for ant-man and of course it wasn't in production yet so they didn't have any footage from the film to show they just had some you know a, a concept art and like a little test reel to show not the edgar wright one but a new one and then they did a panel for Avengers Age of Ultron, as everybody expected. There was nothing for Doctor Strange. And I told this story last week when I talked about, or on one of our previous episodes, when I talked about that presentation at El Capitan. That's where people started thinking again that Benedict, that's when Benedict Cumberbatch's name came back into it. And I thought he was going to get announced at that at that event. I even like congratulated Scott Derrickson on this thing that he thought <laughs> that I thought was going to happen that didn't happen. 
But yeah, I mean, I don't know how, I don't remember how you felt when Joaquin Phoenix came about. If you were, you know, were you happy about that or mm-hmm. were you at all disappointed that it went back to Cumberbatch instead of Phoenix or how did you feel on that? Well, it's funny because uh, I really like I really like Joaquin Phoenix as an actor. Uh, I love his Johnny Cash portrayal. Uh, you know, he's he's been in a lot a lot of great movies, and I thought it was an inspired choice because mainly because it's so he's he is not a typical Hollywood mainstream actor. He's kind of you know a lot of indie films, a lot of smaller films, you know. Um, that he, you know, he chooses. He hasn't really hasn't really been in a lot of big budget films. Like besides maybe in the early days, like when he was with uh, with signs and and things like that, you know. But really, he's been mostly smaller films. So Joaquin Phoenix always really intrigued me, and I thought he would have done an amazing. He could, you know, he'll do he'll do an amazing job with whatever he does but i really 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 was excited to see something like that because again it just, it just seems so out of left field but it, to me it would have worked um benedict cumberbatch was one of those things that it wasn't it was it's it is on the nose but it's a perfect on the nose and, and i was fine with that with that choice too he's kind of like been this you know the like a, a darling of Hollywood to try to get him as many projects as possible. It seems like, you know, it felt like whatever, you know, star Wars was happening or, or whatever, like he was, his name was being brought up constantly. Um, obviously being fresh off of Sherlock, uh, the Holmes TV or series from UK to star Trek into darkness as playing con, which he, he did. He's done a great job in all of that. I mean, he's a great actor and I wasn't disappointed with his casting, but it was, it was, it worked. And I remember, I I think I remember correctly when we were talking about it, Sean, we both agreed that, yeah, this is an obvious choice, but it's obvious for a reason. Like Mm -hmm. he, he looks apart and he's a great actor. So I didn't, I I was, I was disappointed in the fact they didn't go with a more daring choice like Joaquin Phoenix, but at the same time, Joaquin's an, an eccentric guy. So, I mean, and we all know what happens with Marvel and eccentric people, you know, look at, you know, Edgar Wright or, you know, uh, Edward Norton. Um, so like you have both examples and I'm not even sure how extreme those guys are, but they are, I think they are extreme in certain cases and, you know, you have to be kind of a team player a little bit. And I don't know if Joaquin Phoenix is a team player necessarily. So, um, so with Benedict Cumberbatch, to me, it made it made sense from a standpoint that uh, he looked the part. He's a fantastic actor. What what can go wrong? So, yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't against it. It wasn't like a mind blowing like I can't believe the cast. You know, I couldn't. Be, you know, it wasn't the, nothing like that. <laughs> but but you know, I mean, it's no. I, again, I, it worked. Yeah, I get what you're saying. And I did check. Uh, Scott Derrickson was hired in June 2014, and. And yeah, the Cumberbatch rumors had kind of even predated that, although you could say that Derrickson was there and they just hadn't announced his hiring yet, which is usually pretty standard. We only find out about these things weeks or sometimes months after they actually happen, although sometimes they get scooped in advance, but it doesn't seem like I don't think that ended up being the case for uh, for Doctor Strange. Now, the Joaquin Phoenix thing. I was of two minds about that. There was the part of me that was excited because here's just a really great actor and I don't actually see him as Doctor Strange, but that's exciting because I don't it's it's exciting to not know exactly what it's going to be. But there was the other part of me that felt like that was just a problem waiting to happen because this is not the kind of thing that Joaquin Phoenix normally does and I don't think the MCU is the best place for people who are not to are not normally in comic book movies or would not normally be interested in comic book movies. It's one thing if they're going to be in a like a one-time supporting role like a villain in a movie or like a Robert Redford being Alexander Pierce or Tommy Lee Jones and Captain America the First Avenger. It, it's it's although Tommy Lee Jones had already been in a comic book movie, but point being that it's just you know, I if somebody's normally not inclined to be in these movies, I don't know that they're the best fit to sign up. You know, you, you really got to make sure in terms of the personality that they're going to want to be around for several films because we all knew that Dr. Strange was going to be a big commitment. Cause not only would you be 
playing Doctor Strange in his own movie, but almost immediately you'd be turning around and getting ready for Infinity War and Avengers 4. You know, although we didn't quite know how we didn't quite know all of that at the time, but we knew that there would be a lot of obligations with the MCU. And I just felt like there was always that chance that if they signed Joaquin Phoenix, that he might make Doctor Strange and then bail and just say, I don't care about my contract, sue me and just leave, you know, like, yeah, exactly. It seems like Mm -hmm. the kind of guy who would do that. And then so I felt like they were they'd be setting themselves up for the potential problem of having this guy in one movie and then having to recast like they did with uh, with the Hulk. But I still think it was easier to do that with the Hulk because he's, you know, he's only Bruce Banner some of the time, you know, between Edward Norton and Mark Ruffalo. So and plus the MCU was a lower was had a much lower profile in their second movie with the Incredible Hulk. So recasting that role at that time going into Avengers, not as big a deal as it would have been having to recast the role of Stephen Strange. So I wasn't really disappointed when the Joaquin Phoenix thing went away because I just felt like there could end up there would end up being a problem with that. And I think he I think Joaquin Phoenix will be much better off if if he really does end up doing this Joker thing for DC as like an Elseworlds one off film. I think that's the best fit for Joaquin Phoenix. It's something he only has to do one time and that's it. And so the only other name that I was disappointed didn't get the role uh, was Oscar Isaac because his Mm. name came up a little bit later, uh, I think like a month or two after Joaquin Phoenix, Oscar Isaac's name started being thrown out, thrown around for the role. And this was before Benedict came back into it. And I don't know how long the Oscar Isaac flirtation lasted. It must not have lasted that long because it wasn't long after I first started hearing Oscar Isaac that it was back to Cumberbatch to the point where people thought it was going to, he would be announced as Dr. Strange in October. There is a part of me that will always wonder what if with Oscar Isaac as Dr. Strange, because I, that was a choice that I could see it, but it was a little bit different and not so obvious as what Benedict Cumberbatch would do. And we know Oscar Isaac, based on what he's doing with Star Wars, obviously this guy has no problem being part of a big franchise. Now, rumor has it, Oscar Isaac was actually offered the role and then passed on it because he wanted to go play Apocalypse. And, well, I don't want to fault him for that decision. Obviously, uh... hindsight's twenty twenty, But he was a legit fan of Apocalypse and the X-Men. Those were the books he read, so... I'm not going to fault him for going with his heart, even though the decision ultimately didn't prove to be all that. Uh, well, I don't want to rhyme. No, intelligent. it didn't end up being the best call, but you, you can't fault the guy for going with his fandom. So I, I'll still respect that. Now, for people who, but for some people, who think like, oh, well, so did Marvel Studios settle on Benedict Cumberbatch? No, they didn't, because they originally offered it to Benedict Cumberbatch. He couldn't do it because he was doing a play around the time that they were going to be shooting Doctor Strange. And that's when Marvel had to go to other people. That was that was how Joaquin Phoenix got a shot at it. That's how Oscar Isaac got a shot at it. And so after those things didn't work out, Marvel went back to Benedict Cumberbatch, and they reworked the schedule to go back and get their first choice. So it was basically Cumberbatch was the top choice. They had a, few, they had a couple of backups. They went through those backups, couldn't make a deal, so they had to go back. So if they were going to rework anything... You might as well rework the schedule to accommodate your top choice. And that was what they ended up doing. And, of course, we got Benedict Cumberbatch. And so I, I, I liked that casting. I thought it made sense. And even though it was obvious, Benedict Cumberbatch at that point in time wasn't such a megastar that he would wasn't such a megastar that he would take over the role in a way where you would stop seeing the character and only see the movie star. So I still thought he was okay in that regard, and I also thought that Benedict Cumberbatch as an actor is a pretty good chameleon. He's really good at disappearing into his roles. So I I was ultimately very, very happy with the casting, even though the Oscar Isaac idea will always be intriguing, happy enough with Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. And then the rest of the cast, it start, really started to flesh out pretty nicely. I mean, we... Obviously, there's the controversy, the controversy with regard to Tilda Swinton as the Ancient One. We'll get to that in a second. But then the rest of it, though, Chiwetel Ejiofor as Mordo, Mads Mikkelsen as... We didn't know his character name at the time, but as a villain in the film. And, oh you know, so just adding these different actors to it, all of a sudden it looked like this movie really started to look like it was coming together nicely. Yeah, the... the, the I love Tilda Swinton. I love um, Ejiofor. And um, 
oh my gosh, I forgot his name. The Concilius. What was his name again? Mads Mickelson. Mads Mickelson. How could I forget that? It's blanked. I love all those actors. They're great. Um, and it was, I think they were definitely building towards um, one, of the, one of the stronger supporting casts at that time uh, for for the movie. I lo- Again, I love all those people. So oh, and uh, Rachel I was, McAdams, too. Forgot to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, those are all solid, great actors. So, I mean, I was really excited to see what they're going to do with this. Um, you know, I thought Baron Mordo, uh, Edgy for playing Baron Mordo was a great, great idea. It was awesome. I mean, like, I just, I loved, I loved there's like an evil Doctor Strange in the comics. That's Baron Mordo. And mm-hmm. I was really, I was, could not wait to see what Edgy for was going to do with that character. So it was, I was really pumped for uh, multiple levels. I know there was a controversy with the Tilda Swinton's character. And I, and in hindsight, it probably maybe was a mistake a little bit. I know you're going to talk about that in a second. But um, I thought for what, what they wanted to do, give a different spin on it. That's the kind of the, the impression that I got. They wanted to kind of give like an ancient one, like, you know, why don't we make her, make it a female and, and, and go from there. So I don't know. I thought that was interesting. That was interesting. Um, it, yeah. So I don't know. It was the, the supporting cast they, they pulled together at the time was maybe one of the stronger ones they got from a pound for pound actor, you know, potential. So you know, it was it was exciting in that regard anyway. Yeah. Suffice to say the Tilda Swinton casting wouldn't happen today. You know, even though it obviously happened just a few years ago, Marvel Studios wouldn't I don't think they would do that again. They've even they've even kind of said that was a lesson. I mean, I think uh Kevin Feige's s- spoken about that. Scott Derrickson obviously spoke about it a lot and and uh, I think uh, other producers, I think like Nate Moore, who I don't know if he was on Doctor Strange, but he was. Uh, he talked about it with regard to Black Panther, and he just said that that casting of Tilda Swinton was definitely a lesson for Marvel Studios at the time. I, you know, and even even now in watching the movie, I've always felt like the decision to do it wasn't so much about. Uh, at least I don't believe the intention was to whitewash the role and not have you know, just not want to have an, another Asian actor besides Benedict Wong playing Wong in the film. You know, I, I thought, I didn't think that that was necessarily what motivated it. I think it was just, there was this idea of subverting the stereotypes of, of the older Asian, you know, mystical master and, you know, not necessarily reinforcing any stereotypes on that or any tropes from other films. And they had this idea of Tilda Swinton, who, when you're talking about, who can really present weird idea, weird, crazy ideas that audience has never seen before? Who presents that in a way? Who can, what kind of actor can present that in a way that is instantly believable? Tilda Swinton fits that. And so I think it was, I always felt it was more about we're going to do this because we have Tilda Swinton available, not so much because we don't want to have, you know, it's more about who was available and willing to do it as opposed to who they didn't want to have do it. But at the same time, it, it was it ultimately ended up proving to be misguided in terms of this, in terms of their idea to subvert a stereotype. Also, you know, took away a role that could have gone to another actor and has gone to an Asian actor when they're not represented very well in films. I thought they did a good job with Wong of changing, of actually making him a master of the mystic arts instead of Doctor Strange's manservant. I think that was a good call, and but it doesn't necessarily make up for. The Tilda Swinton thing. I think her performance is great in Doctor Strange, and I love her in it, but I don't necessarily know that... And ultimately, it didn't prove to be the most socially responsible choice that Marvel Studios can make and it, that Marvel Studios could have made. And I think, obviously, a lot of people uh, were upset about it. There's plenty of people who remain upset about it, and I understand, you know, and, and I, I understand they're being upset, and I not, I'm not going to take away their right to be upset. So, it to me, it's... I'm of two minds about it because I still enjoy Tilda Swinton's performance, but I also agree that that casting move was was ultimately misguided at the outset, even though the intentions may have been good uh, in the first place. But yeah, I think those were the main that pretty much rounds out the cast. I also remember really wanting I was hoping that Rachel McAdams would end up being Clea in the film, because as Doctor Strange started getting more. You know, as Doctor Strange became more and more of a, a film that was going to get made, that was when I started using Marvel Unlimited. I, I burned through like instantly the entire 
Stan Lee and Steve Ditko run of Doctor Strange, because that was also what Scott Derrickson had talked about as being his major inspiration for the film. He was talking about that from early on. So I'm like, well, great. I'm going to go ahead and read all that and make sure I get caught up. And I ended up really loving that run. It's actually some really fantastic stuff. I think it's still my favorite Doctor Strange material. And so I was disappointed to find out that she was not, that Rachel McAdams was not going to be Clea. Um, because the one thing that I really wanted from Doctor Strange, above all else, especially after I had started reading that Stanley and Steve Ditko run, is I didn't want Doctor Strange to be Thor. Because even though you all know I love Thor very, very much, go back to our Road to Infinity War episode for Thor, and that actually seems like a long time ago now, but <laughs> we're so far along on this. But I love that Thor film from 2011 so much. But I, my one criticism of it, and it was my criticism of the Thor franchise in general up until Ragnarok, is it wasn't as weird and out there as it could have been. Like, I understand wanting to introduce audiences to, th- to concepts they're not as familiar with and, and do that slowly, and, and I get it, but I didn't feel like they needed to do that for Doctor Strange, especially because after watching Guardians of the Galaxy, where there's no, there's no gradual introduction in Guardians. They just throw you into the weird stuff. You watch... I mean, it begins on Earth as you watch Meredith Quill die, but then you're off in space, and that's where you stay for the rest of the movie, and things just get crazier and weirder as you go along. And the audience was right there with Marvel every step of the way in Guardians. And so I felt like now that you've proven you can do that, you can also do that with Doctor Strange. And so I wanted Doctor Strange, not so much tonally, but just in terms of being completely unafraid to be out there right from the start, I wanted Doctor Strange to be more like Guardians than Thor. But then when I watched the first trailer, even though it was it was fine and I liked it, that was when I started really getting worried because there's not much in that first teaser trailer that came out in April of 2000, I think it was April of 2016. It it was very much the Doctor Strange origin. But other than that origin story for Stephen Strange, I wasn't seeing a ton of what I really had come to love about Doctor Strange as I started looking deeper into the character. Yeah, this movie, I have so many, I don't know, man, I don't know. This this movie just has so many different things about it that I wanted to love. Well, we're not on the movie yet. Don't don't skip (laughs) it. Oh, sorry. What did you think of that first trailer? Sorry, I just you know I'm watching the movie now as we as we talk, so I just it's just I'm getting lost and yeah. Um, no, the trailers had me really excited. Um, I was I thought it, you know because of, of what we got before Guardians of the Galaxy, it was something that it was like you said it was gonna you know we're gonna go off into a different realm if you will because you had you know Thor had the realms and then you had the universe with Guardians and now you know we're gonna have the mystical different planes that. Uh, Doctor Strange was going to bring us to, or different dimensions, I should say. Um, it was really, I was really looking forward to it. I have felt like they gave us, a, you know, a good idea of what we potentially could see, and it just it was really cool the little bit we saw with with the magic and things like that. So the trailers, I thought, did a good job of selling it. I was, I was really excited for this movie. The which, teaser, the teaser yeah, was just okay for me. It was the, it was when I went to Comic Con in July 2016 in Hall H between the footage that they showed that was just for that was just exclusive to the Hall H crowd and they also dropped a trailer that went online for everybody that was when I started thinking okay now we're really going to get some cool weird Doctor Strange stuff because that they showed us obviously the same trailers that everybody else showed that everybody else saw but they also showed us that pretty much that whole sequence that you see when the ancient one basically sends Dr. Strange, Stephen Strange through the multiverse. I don't think they showed us every shot from there. I think there were a couple that we didn't necessarily get to see at comic con, but saw most of that sequence. And then I thought, okay, Dr. Strange is going to be crazy and weird, just like I would want it to be. So now I'm on board with this and I just didn't want to see, I didn't want to see too much more than that because I felt that was sufficient. Everything else was cool because remember the first teaser 
people started saying how Doctor Strange was just a ripoff of Inception because it was mainly stuff that we would find out in the movie, ended up being more mirror dimension stuff, buildings folding on top of each other. And to me, I was like, well, yeah, city folding on top of itself, that happened in Inception, but it didn't look like it's looking at Doctor Strange. Like, Doctor Strange was that on steroids and plus tons of other things, as we would ultimately see in the film. But Comic-Con was huge for me in terms of really... Uh, getting my anticipation for the film going and, and really getting my confidence going in the film. I always felt like it was going to be a good movie, but I just didn't want it to be a Thor situation of, yeah, it's good, but I kind of wish it had been something else. I didn't want that uh, again. And so I started feeling like I, that wasn't going to be the case with Doctor Strange after I saw the footage at Comic-Con. And then I remember, and, and they kept showing more weird stuff. In the, there ended up being like a ton of TV spots and just little digital marketing videos that got released uh, over the course of September and October. And then I went and watched an IMAX preview that had some additional footage that came out in October of that year. So I was pretty, I was pretty geeked up for Dr. Strange and like ready to go uh, by the time I first saw it, which ended up being uh, again at the, at the press junket on the, the Disney lot. What did you remember thinking the first time you finally saw Dr. Strange? So you were totally up for it. And then how mm-hmm. did you feel the first time? Well, I'm, I remember I, uh, I took my, my, my friend who, uh, is, is now my, my boss. <laughs> and, uh, he, uh, I remember he, you know, he's a Marvel fan and I took him and, uh, I was really excited, really excited, and I'm, you know, just getting geeked out for it. You know, I'm like, oh man, it's so exciting. You know, I love, you know, Marvel films. You know, Marvel zombie. I can't wait. And I, th- I think I even saw someone saw me at that premiere. I think it was Doctor Strange. Uh, one of our listeners mm. had uh, tweeted at me afterwards. Like, hey, were you at? Were you at? Uh, at a Doctor Strange? I was like in uh, Northgate. I was like, yeah, man, that was me. <laughs> like, oh, I, I, I walked by you. I was like, oh, sweet. Um, which is really cool. I I'd never had that happen before. Um, so, but anyway, uh, yeah, and if you do I happen walk- to walk by in the future, say hello. Yes, it, it's it's fine. I'm not gonna I'm not <laughs> yeah. gonna bite. I'll be like, what's up, man? That's how yeah. I am. I'm a social guy. I can't help it. Yeah, and it's not um, like we're th- mobbed by fans. So. <laughs> We're not even close. Yeah, In fact, so, I'm afraid people are going to throw things at me if they find out who I am. Yeah, uh, so feel free to so, say hello if you do see us out in the wild. Yes, out in the wild. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I remember watching the film and leaving and just feeling a sense of, this is going to sound dramatic, and I don't mean to sound dramatic, but it felt like emptiness when I left. Mm. Like, it, I didn't feel fulfilled whatsoever. And... There was not to say there wasn't, you know, bright spots in it, but, um, yeah, I, I, and you, and you, we did the last show or one of our last, uh, real shows besides Spider-Man was Dr. Strange. And, um, you guys can listen to that show. I was not, I was not a fan. It just was not, it was probably for me the, the biggest Marvel disappointment. I think it's one of Marvel's worst films to be frank. And we can get into the, the specifics of it, but I, I remember I did not like it so much that I didn't even want to watch it again in the theater. I'm like, mm, I'm good. So my first, and I did watch it afterwards, which I'll, we'll get to in a minute after our first reactions. But my my first reaction, I just was empty, and it just felt like a giant missed opportunity, in my opinion. And um, I know we had diff- we had a lot of differences for some of the actors, their portrayals, mm-hmm. their characters, or, or not portrayals, because I think the acting wasn't bad by any means. I think the writing let the movie down a lot, and I think that the the first time I saw it, it wasn't. I just was like I said, it felt empty, uh, and I, I forgot what your first impression was, but my, that was mine. My first impression wasn't as good as my second impression. So that was part of the reason when we were doing that show with our, our yes, very first review. You know, I had mentioned how the second viewing made. I think I mentioned on the show, or maybe I get you confused because we you did. we talk a lot off the air too. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I said this on the show or or before. Yeah, I remember before mm-hmm. after we hit record. But I remember the second viewing made a, a big difference for me because my first viewing, I still really liked it. I thought it was solid and. But I didn't know if I loved it, and then I watched it a second time. But although I will admit that second time was at the red carpet premiere, so it's kind of easy to love movies when you're at the premiere. So, but then even then, like watching it at a regular 
public screening on opening night, I still, I felt the same way as I did with that second viewing. So I was really starting to love the film, but I, I will admit that my perception has kind of changed on the film a little bit. I haven't gone all the way to where you are, but it has turned into me. It has turned more into that Thor territory for me, um, which is that I love it, but it's not quite everything I want a Doctor Strange movie to be. And mm. and so now I'm I'm hopeful that a sequel will get to be that movie because I remember what my going back to just focusing on the first impression though, I've always thought the movie was very well made and it it has some of the best I think it's one of the some in terms of cinematography, I think it's one of Marvel's best movies. I really like the mm. way this movie is shot and this movie has an aesthetic that actually doesn't look like any other Marvel movie. Marvel Studios really let Scott Derrickson do something different with this. And, and Ben Davis was the, the DP on this. He had also done the first Guardians for Marvel. I think he also did Avengers Age of Ultron. And so, but he was, but you could tell like this was filtered through Scott Derrickson because this didn't even look like the movies that Ben Davis had done previously for Marvel Studios. And, and I love the production design, which was done by Charlie Wood, and the visual effects I thought were great in the film, and those were supervised by Steph Sreddy, who ended up being nominated for an Oscar, just as he had been for the first Guardians film in 2014. And so I thought it was a very well-crafted movie from top to bottom. I loved the sets, the VFX, the, you know, the cinematography, the acting in the film. I thought was great from all of the players involved. I thought everybody who was there gave a really good performance. And I give a lot of credit to Mads Mikkelsen because even as I said at the time, I don't think that character was, I've never felt that character was given as much as he should have been in the script, but I'll be damned if Mads Mikkelsen didn't get the most out of it. Like he, he got the, the script gave him inches. His performance took miles, uh, especially yes. that speech when he's cap, he's that, you know, captured in that contraption in the Sanctum Sanctorum, and he gives his speech about time being the enemy of us all and death being an insult. I love that bit. Like, that's such an amazing performance by him in that scene. And Doctor Strange, the the other thing that got me the first time I saw the movie, and it's still one of my all-time favorite scenes in the MCU, is the last scene before be that exchange between Doctor Strange and the Ancient One right before she dies the with the whole... Uh, it's not about you and how she's talking about, you know, she's prepared herself ultimately for her death, but yet here she is not ready because she's taking one moment and stretching it into a thousand before she finally lets go. And so there are a lot of things that I really love about the movie. I love the bit at the end with the dark dimension and bargaining with Dormammu because it actually is kind of a, it's an MCU variation of it, but it is kind of similar to the first time, um, Dor uh, Doctor Strange encountered Dormammu and how Doctor Strange was able to survive that and protect Earth and make a, make a deal with Dormammu that Dormammu ended up honoring until Dormammu found a way to, you know, technically honor it by, <laughs> by using Baron Mordo to do his bidding. So all of that can still happen, of course, in, uh, in these movies. But uh, so I remember there was a lot of stuff that I loved, like that sequence of go Doctor Strange touring the multiverse the dark dimension, which to me felt felt like walking into a Steve Ditko panel from those co those classic comic books. So there was a lot of stuff about Doctor Strange that I really really loved. But at the same time, I understand why there are a lot of other people who don't necessarily love this film the way that I do, and why and and in in hindsight, I and the more I've thought about it. I felt like there were probably ways to keep a lot of the stuff that worked best in this film and maybe rework some things that didn't. And you probably could have ended up with maybe a better movie and certainly a movie that more people would have, would have enjoyed as opposed to, I, I mean, it's still a very well, it was a very well reviewed film, got an A cinema score from audiences and it was a big hit. So it's not like people hated Dr. Strange, but I know there's kind of a more vocal minority against this film than there are with other Marvel movies. So this one is kind of in like that Iron Man three territory where some people really, really mm. like it, but there's a lot of people who are very 
<laughs> who are who are not shy about saying they didn't really dig this one. Yeah, this movie had a lot of it's it's such a mixed bag and I think that's why it's hard for me to to like love this movie because there's so much stuff in here that I like, but they added so much to the character and to the other supporting characters that I feel it just was like, ugh, you know, it's just kind of a groan worthy. Like just the fact him and, and uh, Mordo or, or Mordo's train helping train him. And he's like with a bunch of other people's kind of weird, the whole like sling ring, whatever the hell that thing is called the secret decoder ring. I don't know what the hell that thing is. It's like that whole thing. I don't like it's no, weird. I don't like the sling ring. It doesn't make sense. It it just, it's like, it's a, it's like a device. Like let's, let's make this, uh, have a reason they can bring up these magic spell transporter things. And they can it, just it, bring it, like, it up. <laughs> I know it's just, it's just, yeah. it's so bad. It, it was, I remember like when I watched the movie the second time, I noticed that again. And I'm like, that is so bad bad and, oh, and how man. dr strange uh, defends himself with a laser rope oh God, yes yes see i mean but they're see i love the way that they brought the spells up like I, I thought that was a really cool way at least from like the or at least the digitally the way the spells look that they were cool you know the rings uh, not so much so there was you know like baron Mordo's character i felt was just kind of i thought edgy four was wasted in my opinion, I thought Mads Mikkelsen's character, as you said, like the, everyone doesn't doesn't give us bad performances. Just the writing isn't there, and I feel like they went with a horrible, horrible villain. And um, you know, and this is one of those cases where the villain really let down the, uh, in my opinion, let down the movie. And because it's like you know, it's a lot. It, it reminds me of Green Lantern. Okay, you have Parallax as. <laughs> the main villain when everyone wants to see, you know, Sinestro take on Green Lantern, but they end up teaming up and they're, they're trying to save it for the, for the end of the movie. That's exactly what Dr. Strange did with Baron Mordo. And it's a shame because you're waste. You, it's just like, just like Green Lantern, they wasted a great performance of a character in this movie. And again, you wasted on a character that no one is going to care about. It's it, the people in the comics didn't know who they, he was because he's nobody and, in the comics. Exactly. Caecilius in the comics is a henchman of Baron Mordo, whose name is only dropped like a couple of times. He's exactly, you know, especially in that, that Stanley Steve Ditko run like that run. The primary villains throughout that are nightmare. Who's the first villain that Dr. Strange yep. ever faces, but then the ones that recur, even more frequently than that, or Dormammu and Baron Mordo. And Baron Mordo doesn't start out as a pal of Doctor Strange in the comic books. They, I understand they wanted to not necessarily have the, you know, Scott Derrickson had said he felt like too much of an arch nemesis in the comics and they wanted to have, they wanted to kind of save something and really build with Baron Mordo. And, and I don't totally disagree with that strategy because I like the idea of a slow burn with Baron Mordo, and I think that could ultimately pay off in, in really interesting ways. And and so I liked Chiwetel Ejiofor and what they were doing with Baron Mordo just fine. The problem is that they kind of already, they, they made Caecilius into Baron Mordo. Like that kind of is not, not so mm -hmm. much in terms of losing a family or, or whatever else, but the person, the, the promising student of the ancient one who go, who actually ends up betraying the ancient one and, and battling the masters of the mystic arts. That's Mordo. And so if you can't do both, like if you're gonna, if you're gonna mm -hmm. put Mordo in the movie, then just let it be Mordo as opposed to put Mordo in the movie, call it a different name and then have this other character call him Mordo. So it, I think, you know, when I look back on the film and how certain things could have been fixed is that you could have had Baron Mordo be a character in this movie and you could have even introduced the concept of Dormammu, but I think the the villain in this movie should have been Nightmare. And absolutely, mm -hmm. and and that was actually for a long time what I thought would happen is because Nightmare being kind of a, a horror villain who lives in the dream world and can trap Doctor Strange, like that seems right up Scott Derrickson's alley. Obviously, with his background with a film like uh, Sinister and also Deliver Us from Evil, which I really liked, so. 
that always seemed like the a good fit to me. Um, or if you were going to do this thing with Caecilius, then yeah, you've got to do more legwork to make him uh, to make him a more interesting character. You can't just mm-hmm. rely on uh, you can't just rely on Mads Mikkelsen being an, an unbelievable actor. I mean, it helps for sure, but that doesn't necessarily mean you've put the movie in there as as you've nailed it as much as you could. The other thing that I think would have helped this movie is I think it, it could have used some different pacing, and I think it could have maybe benefited from a little bit of a Batman Begins ish nonlinear narrative in addressing the mm. origin because it's very, I mean, the first 25 minutes of the film, it's not, it's not the easiest watch when you've already seen a bunch of origin movies. If we, if this was still like, I don't know, 2007, 2008, probably okay with exactly the way Dr. Strange is presented. But in 2016, after eight years of the MCU and, and tons of other superhero origin stories over the, over the, the many years of this superhero movie boom, you know, just presenting it as very straightforward of here's an introduction to our hero. I mean, the, the prologue is pretty cool of watching Caecilius, you know, fight the ancient one in the mirror dimension. Like, so at least it does something to throw you into the weirdness of the concept right away. But then it goes right into kind of paint by numbers, superhero origin movie and i think they should have found a way to break that up you know cut to dr strange and Kamartage learning his lessons and then thinking back to how he got there and and even though that's something that we've seen before in movies like batman begins and even to some extent to the first iron man film it works and marvel hadn't done that for a while but mean but in the meantime we had seen several of the more typical uh, origin story presentation so something like that to break it up because after that bit with the ancient one you go almost half an hour before you really get any action before you get any of the really crazy out there dr strange magic and mystical type of stuff it's just here's dr strange we're showing that he was a brilliant neurosurgeon which you needed to do and show the car accident and 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 really feel his desperation so it's it does achieve that, but I feel like there was a way to achieve that while also kind of engaging the audience more with stuff that they wouldn't have expected by cutting into some of his camartage training sequences. And, and I think they could have ultimately cut, they could have reduced the time spent on all of that stuff by splicing it together and cutting back and forth. And that would have left them more time to better develop a villain, even if it was Caecilius, as they were calling him and being played by Mads Mikkelsen, just giving that villain more to do because he also just kind of disappears for a long stretch of time. He's there at the very beginning, but it's like what a half hour or 40 minutes before we see him again. So there's just a, there, there just had to be a better way to cut this movie together to allow more time for certain things to develop and also allow more of the, the Dr. Strange weirdness to be in there. Yeah. There's there, like you said it best, Sean, there's so much more they could have done with, with a different kind of villain. Um, Mordo could in Caecilius could have been totally the same character for the most part, but I'm, I'm kind of, you know, to me, the weirdness aspect, they didn't embrace as much as, as we both thought they would, especially after, uh, gardens of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm wondering if maybe post volume two and Ragnarok, it, it, and we'll talk about a sequel of, I think maybe in the Patreon scene, or I don't know mm-hmm. when we'll talk we about will. it, but Okay, cool, because we have stuff to talk about that. But anyway, that being said, it's one of those things where I kind of thought they'd embrace it more because you had so many different cool things in Doctor Strange, Mm -hmm. like Nightmare, like the Mindless Ones, to really give us a sense of depth of like, oh my gosh, this is crazy nuts, you know, Doctor Strangeness. But no, it was, like you said, by the numbers, pretty self-explanatory origin movie. And it, I, to me, I just you know you don't get the sense of the intimacy that you need for some of these for some you know for some of these scenes because again he's training with all these different people and it makes me think like why aren't these people out helping the, the defenders when they get attacked or or whatever There's so many people training why don't you know it just, to me it felt like a huge plot hole in of itself like that's not really a, it's not really worth it it's just, yeah. it's, it felt like how many just, masters of the mystic arts are there. 
Exactly. That kind of that at first, and that was my first viewing. I don't remember. I didn't really put it all together. And then after the second time, because I didn't watch it again until I bought it on Blu-ray, and I bought it on Blu-ray, and I remember, and I remember that I could hear you in the back of my head, Sean. I don't think at the time I think you were doing a lot of, of stuff for for work. We weren't doing as many shows at the time, but I remember as I bought it, and I was like. Man, I'm not looking forward to watching this. I can just hear, like, in the, you know, you're seeing the movies. <laughs> here, here's, here's, watch it, Paul. Watch the second time. I'm curious to see what you'll see, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, Ugh. so I asked Morgan, my wife, to watch it with me, and she's just like, <laughs> she just kept saying, "This is awful." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, it's, it's not very good." And it did. It got worse for me the second time. I. And I'm watching it now as we as we talk, and it's just oh, it's rough. I mean, it, it, is it terrible? No, I don't think it's terrible. Is it great? Not by any means. I think it's definitely one of the worst Marvel films. And I think because the scope is scaled back down, like with Thor, the first Thor movie, you understood because they had a lot. They had to be a little more, a little more careful. They tried a little bit more lightly to mm-hmm. really cater to the mainstream audience. Well, they've already established how crazy it can get, and people like the crazy, and they didn't embrace it. And I think the movie just suffers so much. Nightmare and the Mindless Ones Alone, you're talking about, in my opinion, a marketing, easy, easy, easy marketing. I mean, kids love being scared, even though they won't, you know, they won't admit it. Like, they'll, they love to be scared. So Nightmare could have been a really frightening, cool villain to watch, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it dare it would dare almost dare families to go see it with them. And maybe that's why maybe that's why they didn't want to do it. But that being said, they could still tone it down and make Nightmare a cool, really cool, unique villain. The mindless ones could have been involved. Baron Mordo, you could you could establish that relationship. Take out take away the, all the other mi- mystic art people mm-hmm. and just have it be Mordo and Dr. Strange together and you have a way you, again you build on that relationship I feel like you were they were trying to give you Mordo and Dr. Strange together but it didn't really connect for me I mean they did it was fine but it's it, you could have done so much better in my opinion and I feel like it's just they just didn't like you said Sean it just didn't embrace the weirdness that you kind of expected and it, and it should have and I think that the movie it, it did fine, like you said. It, it was very successful, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like it would have a more lasting power with a more memorable villain and, and things like that. So, and again, I know mindless ones are just cannon fodder for the superhero to, 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 to you know take down. And I know people love to criticize those things. Me personally, I'm like whatever. I don't care. But at the same time, the mindless ones are really cool looking. They have like you know really unique uh, features, and they're they're kind of dangerous. So they're called mindless ones. It's cool. Well, so, the mindless ones do actually show up. That's what Caecilius mm. and his fellow zealots turn into at the very end yeah. of the movie. So that yeah, but they're not that, they're not a threat though. Well, and it's okay. Like if you're if you're gonna do nightmare, then you wouldn't have the mindless ones because the mindless ones come from Dormammu and the Dark Dimension. That's they're not connected but, but, to nightmare. So you gotta. But well, you, you, just, you is, pick one is, or that, you pick one or the other. So since you picked Dormammu, then I well, think then you could have done more with the mindless ones. If you picked Nightmare, then you could have done obviously a bunch of different stuff with Nightmare. But that never stopped Feige before. Feige loves to combine and do different things. So to me, well, you could sure, have but I would, since you know you're going to use Dormammu at some point, even if you backed off right. of him for this film, then I would have held the mindless ones back because you don't need Whoa. them if you have Nightmare because yeah. Nightmare can come up with tons of other cool shit. Um, and then yeah. you can save the mindless ones for Dormammu. And I think that's where it's going to be a really interesting choice going forward. But we'll talk about that more on the Patreon credit scene. But speaking, but, speaking of Dormammu, Sean, I know Mr. Yeah. Mr. Eyeballs. Yeah, I know. Why? <laughs> they don't need eyeballs, Sean. He's a demon for God's sake. I, I like the look of Dormammu. I was, ac- I, was, I was actually happy with that design. He's not purple. His costume is purple. He's got a flaming head. He doesn't have a flaming purple head, for God's sakes. <laughs> he doesn't have eyeballs. Well, I think God they they, they wanted to do something that looked bigger. And also, I, I think the idea of somebody who's living beyond time and part of this other dimensionally thing, you know, like in a comic book, it's fine. But I think cinematically, I do. I actually agree with the choice that they made that just putting him as 
a purple guy with a flaming head would probably look a little anticlimactic and not look as powerful uh, and unbeatable as what you're, as what Dr. Strange is up against in the dark dimension of this film. So I, I agree with the choice. Now, obviously I understand how it's not, may not be as visually compelling if you wanted, if you love the look from the comics, which I do, but I still respect the call that they made in this one. And, and I still really, I do love this movie and I don't want that to be lost on, because even though when I'm throwing out alternatives of what they could have done, and, and these are just things that I think could have taken it from more of a mid-tier MCU movie, which is where it is for me, although mid-tier, it's, I guess it is closer to the bottom because it's not in my top 10 uh, for my MCU. It's not near, it's not that close to the bottom either, but you know, I, I think this had an opportunity to be a top tier MCU film right out the gate. And I don't think it's I don't think it is excused from not being a top tier film just because it was the first Doctor Strange movie. Black Panther hit it out of the park on its first try. Guardians of the Galaxy hit it out of the park yep. on the first yep. try. And the reason why I don't think this movie is as good as the first Thor is that both are kind of the both are similar for me in that they are very well made movies that I love. Even, the, but they don't. They're not completely satisfying in terms of uh, really embracing the the craziness and weirdness of the concept. They're both that for me. But what makes what gives Thor an edge over Doctor Strange is Thor does a better job establishing a, an emotional through line with its villain between Thor and Loki. There's nothing like that for Doctor Strange and Kaecilius. There's not really strong emotional connections for Dr. Strange in this movie. Now, Stephen Strange is kind of a cold guy, so it's, it doesn't necessarily need to have that, but I wish there had been something to make somebody else besides Dr. Strange in this film a more compelling character, because that's what Thor is full of uh, with that relationship between Thor and Loki and Odin, and Dr. Strange doesn't offer anything that quite packs that punch. So I think it's a very well-made movie, um, and I think it's it's still a good job, and and I wouldn't necessarily say whoever made this movie shouldn't make the next Doctor Strange. I think everybody here could get another opportunity, but every but just know that now we live in the world where you have to go crazy with this because Doctor Strange's one scene in Thor Ragnarok felt more Doctor Strange to me than most yes! of this movie. One hundred percent. I so, was going to say that. And oh my so gosh. That, and which we'll dive delve into more in the Patreon credit scene. Sorry, guys. I'm going to keep plugging away. Oh, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, but I, I really I, I think hopefully that shows, and and hopefully we continue to get more of that in Avengers: Infinity War and Avengers Four with this character. And I kind of hope that because there is a part of me that feels like people liked this movie but it didn't necessarily make them immediately hungry for the next Doctor Strange movie. So I yep. do feel like Marvel has to do some work. Um, not totally dissimilar from Ant-Man, because people who saw Ant-Man really liked it, but also a lot of people kind of ignored it. Uh, just if you compare the box office, Ant-Man was definitely a hit, but not on the level of some of the other Marvel movies. And Doctor Strange actually is the, lo even though, again, major hit, but lowest grossing film of Phase 3 so far, so clearly there's some work to do in terms of pumping up the audience's interest, and hopefully they'll do that, which, again, we'll talk about more a little bit later on. But getting back to this movie, I think it's a good movie that had opportunities to be truly great. And uh, so it's a little disappointing that this movie didn't quite get there, even though I still really love it. And then hopefully, I don't know, hopefully the next one, hopefully the next one gets there. <laughs> this movie isn't terrible. It's just not a very rewatchable movie in my opinion it's something that as a rewatch it now is again the first time i'd seen it since it came out on blu-ray that weekend and i watched it with my wife and i had no interest of rewatching it and it's a movie that i think has good performances but it just doesn't go where it needs to go a poor villain again not portrayal of the villain but a poor written villain just it didn't it just needed to go different places and it, it just stayed stag stagnant and it's a little slow and I, I just feel like it could have been so much more than what we got and hopefully hopefully they'll get a chance to do another film you know and and I think Doctor Strange is going to be great in Infinity War I think he's going to be fantastic mm -hmm. 
I'm like, really excited for him in Avengers Infinity War. And I think he's going to be an amazing uh, addition to the movie and to the Avengers. So I'm really excited about, I think, and I think Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch does a great job portraying Dr. Strange. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm, I, we need to see a film with him in it where he is Dr. Strange and not, you know, you know, I'm a, he's trained, he's ready to go and he's ready to go into deep into the different dimensions. So yeah, I'm a, I'm, this is one of the, my part of my lower tier, maybe the bottom five, you know, I'm not sure if it's worse than, I don't know. This or Iron Man three might be, it's, it's tough. I'd probably take this over Iron Man three at this point, but yeah. So I we'll would, see. but I really like Iron Man three. So, Oh, I know you, I know a, you do. It's not an insult when I say that I wouldn't take, uh, that I would not take this ahead of, uh, ahead of Iron Man three. So we will spend some time talking about what we're looking forward to from Dr. Strange in the next two of the next two Avengers films. And of course, that Infinity Stone, the Time Stone, and the Eye of Agamotto. So we'll be talking about that in the Patreon credit scene, as well as some of the recent comments from one of the writers of Doctor Strange, C. Robert Cargill, as he was talking about some of their original ideas for the first film that can now be applicable to the second film. So we'll talk about Doctor Strange sequel ideas as well. Um, But that is where we'll wrap up our Doctor Strange conversation on this road to Infinity War. And again, if you want more information or more exclusive audio content and that Patreon credit scene, all of the Patreon credit scenes you can get for just a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And there's other tiers with other exclusive content as well that you can check out if you just go to that page and then follow along with us every day on the website, marvelstudiosnews.com. Facebook at Marvel Studios News, also on Instagram at Marvel Studios News, and on Twitter at Marvel Newscast, because at Marvel Studios News is too long for Twitter to handle, literally. So, (laughs) (laughs) Paul, where can everybody find you? People can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber, Sean spelled S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. 